0: Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are, for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Good morning. How are y'all doing? Y'all sounds like you can tell I've been down south. <laughs> So, been back home, so it's been, been awesome. Um, let's pray. Father, thank you for the, for your word. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for just being so gracious and such a good daddy. We just love you for that. Holy Spirit, speak through me this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, um, <clears throat> what a great time. I, had a, um, I actually had the honor to go down there and uh, officiate my daughter's wedding. And um, I thought that might be one of the hardest things I was ever going to do, because like for a year I've just been thinking that's my baby girl. Like I keep seeing her, and I was like that's my baby. You know, this is my baby, and I was like I don't want to have to kill this guy. You know, <laughs> if, he, if he's not good to her. And so I was like that's my baby. You know, until I got there, and um, <clears throat> as I was up there and. Like, it, the wedding went as good as it possibly could. Like, if you ever have a kid get married, you totally understand that statement, right? <laughs> so it could have went way worse, but it went as good as it possibly could, and I was so proud of it. But as I got up there, and, and they got, got to where I was just looking at her and, and her, her new husband, and I used to look at her as a little baby. I always thought of her as a little baby, but I looked up there, and I saw this beautiful, grown woman that was ready for this moment, that, that had been through hell. She's been through some scars in her life. She's been through some bad stuff in her life, and, and part of it was stuff that happened to her, and part of it's stuff that, that she made bad choices that happened to her. But at this moment in time, I looked at her, and I thought, you know what? Everything that happens turned to your good because you're right where you need to be. And I just had this peace come over me, and I was like, this is, like, the greatest honor of my life. And I couldn't be any more proud of her or proud of her new husband. And, and, um, and of course, man, I got grandkids running out my ears now. So, so I got to see my youngest grandson. He, he's just six weeks old. But I got all these grandkids running around. I was like, how did they get so big? And I'm not old. <laughs> I mean, how does that stuff happen right? and so But I was so thankful for the experience, and then I was watching my son and um, this is his first kid, and him, him and his wife um, his wife's a cow, uh, a cowgirl he 's a, he's a bull rider, and he's raising he's one to raise bulls, and just they're just cowboy tough and so so just hanging out with them, they named their kid Quarter. <laughs> But, like, I mean, who names their kid Quarter except Cowboys, right? And so I told him it's just a good thing we don't raise Appaloosas or Arabians because then the kid would have been named, like, Appaloosa. I was like, that would have been a little different. But anyway, but um, it's great. I was just sitting there on the couch watching my son looking at this little baby, the most, one of the most beautiful babies I've ever seen, and I saw his face shining on him. And I remember when that was me looking at him and I was like wow how the world changes but it also connected me back to my father my heavenly father in this way and I think it's real real important I love sharing the the scripture cuz I'm stuck on John right it's like how can you not be like like we're reading revelation guess who wrote that John like John was such a pain in in the Romans Behind, right? They couldn't kill him, right? But remember when Jesus was alive, he was always talking about, like when he wrote his gospel, he's talking about the other disciples and then the disciple that Jesus loved, right? He's always referring to him as the disciple that Jesus loved. He's always trying to rest at the, at the heart of Jesus. It's almost like he just wants to hear his heartbeat. He just wants to have a relationship with him. He just wants to love him and be loved by him. And he's not, he's not caught up in all the other stuff. In fact, I, I, I believe he's the only disciple who wasn't martyred, wasn't he? Of all of them. And it's not because they didn't try. According to, to church history, they actually tried to boil him in a vat of oil. And they couldn't kill him. So they're like, yeah, I guess you just go to this island, right? And they're like, that'll shut him up. And guess what? God gave him a revelation. And that revelation is something that we see and that's gone to millions and millions and millions of people worldwide that we still study today. I worry a little bit, though, because I think when we read Revelation, sometimes we think we're Getting a revelation of something bad happened when I really believed that when John saw it, he saw a revelation of Jesus and who he was and how it was revealed. And so that's what revelation is, an unveiling of Jesus, an unveiling of his glory, unveiling of who he really is. And when we see it in that context, then, then it changes. You know what? He really does turn all things for our good, and it makes things so much better but here's John and he's in love with Jesus man he he's a fisherman he's calm and he's not something that like like he's not this great theologian and that studies all the time and sometimes all that stuff can get in your way like it's good it gives you a head knowledge but it doesn't give you an experience like that chair right like I know that's a chair I know what it does but until I sit in the chair I haven't experienced the chair I don't know what that chair's about. I don't know what it's like. I want to experience. And so John's like, I don't just want you to know that's a chair, and know that people sit in it. I want you to sit in it. I want you to rest and have life and life more abundantly. And so John starts off in the Gospel of John, and, and I love this because he starts off in the beginning. It's like, that's a good thing. But like, he's like, let's just go right from the beginning. He's like, let's not waste any time because I want want to clear this up on who Jesus is, was, and is always going to be for you, in you, and through you. And so he says this. He says, in the beginning was the word. Who was the word? God. God, Jesus, right? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Now, what is God there? G-O-D. That's Elohim. You know what's really cool is Elohim is plural. You know what? It's 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 not just recognizing God the Father, but it's recognizing the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When you see 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 Elohim, right? It's plural. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Do you know what He's doing? He's putting to rest any ideals where you ever hear, "Well, Jesus was a great man and He was a good teacher." And John's like, that's a bunch of bunk. Guess what? In the beginning was the Word. And he wasn't just in the beginning, just hanging out with with the Father, but he and the Father and the Holy Spirit, they're one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, now in, in, in that language and in the translations, we think of with. It's kind of like, I'm like, hey, did you hear that? Are you with me now? Or are you just hanging out with me? But it's so much more powerful when you see the, the original translation because it's like prose. It's like face to face. It's like looking at each other, like being so face to face, like they're face to face that all you can see is one. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about they're so inter- intermingled and so intertwined that there's nothing that separates them and nothing that could ever separate them. They are completely one. In Hebrew, we call it the small. We said small Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Echad, Hero Israel. The Lord is God. He is one. Then it says, love Him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. What's He saying? <laughs> He's saying we're it not just to connect that God's one and that we're one with him, but there's a connection between our heart and our mind and our body that we can walk in if we'll get a grasp of who Jesus really is. It says, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. What's he talking about? It's going back to this very essence, to this very thing. John was a Jew. John grew up studying about the Jewish traditions. He ended up, like we're just today, Sukkot. He ended up doing, you know, Passover. He he did did uh, um, Yom Kippur. He did Rosh Hashanah. He did Sukkot. He knew all the traditions and all the the festivals and all the feasts. But he also knew. The, the, the Torah, everybody knew, knew the Torah to a point. It's like everybody now goes to church and knows the Bible a little bit, right? So he understood when God said, may the Lord make his face shine upon you. It was like my son. When he was looking at this baby, he was just looking at him, and he was looking through his eyes, the eyes of a father looking at the son. And there was so much love. Man, my, my grandson, he, he was, wasn't having it, man, because he like he didn't like the nipple on the bottle. And so he was crying, and so they're trying to figure out what's going on, what's going on. So they tried all this stuff, and then it just hit him. Maybe it's that. that. So they switched, and it worked. But he was doing everything he could to take care of that young baby. That baby was like, hey, I need help. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I got to help him. I got to help him. He wasn't like, well, you, you wash the dishes. You, you do the laundry, and then I'm gonna help you. No, there was a love that, that was beyond recognition, beyond anything that that I believe it's divine in nature, because it's like the love of a father, and I think that's the same thing. Love it got, the Bible says God is love. You can't love apart from God. And so as he's looking at him, I look at him and he's looking at as the eyes. Of a father. But I remember when he used to look up at me. And it was a different look. Because it was a baby looking up at his dad saying, hey, I need help. Hey, I need this. Hey, I see you looking at me, man. I wonder if I'm as good looking as you are. <laughs> right, don't you ever wonder if your kids ask you that? No. But he was looking through a different eyes, a different place, right? And I I love that because it really shows, now, the Father is one, Jesus is one, we're one in him. Think about that. He says, says, I and the Father are one, and you and I are one. Guess what? That means, now you're in this, and that's what John's trying to get to. He's like saying, there is no separation between you and the creator of the universe. Every breath you take is because of him. Every DNA, everything that works, works because of him. Pastor James, I don't believe that. Well, good, I'm glad you don't. Do you believe the Bible? Because I'm going to read to you. Because it says this. He was with God in the beginning, through him all things were made. Now, do you know what the all things means in this scripture? All things. (laughs) Everything. Through him, everything. All things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. See, this just, just doesn't place John's saying something that's super controversial. It's no wonder they're trying to kill him because he's not saying he is a good teacher. He's not saying he is just born of a virgin. He's saying he was with the Father from the beginning. He is the Son of God. He's just not the Son of God. He is God. He is the Creator in and through him. All things were made and they were made in, through, and for him, including you. Now, I was like, the religious people are like, whoa, wait a second. You can't be talking like that. But it's the truth. If we can really ever see who we really are and how the Father really looks at us, it will change how we live. It will change how we treat other people, because now we're not looking at other people through our eyes, but we're looking out because we're in Christ. And he's in us. So if we can just sit in him and look out at people, we can see, oh, yeah, they're created in my image. They I love them so much that I gave my life for them. I know they're a mess, but so are you. And now you're in me. And it changes how we react and we reflect to other people. So God does. He changes us from the inside out. And that does such a great work on, on who, who we are. All this stuff is going to pass away. All this stuff, your houses, your cars, everything's going to pass away. But you are going to live forever. Think about that. The real you, you're going to live forever. Forever. It says, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made and has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. I love that. And you're like, well, Pastor James, that's just one place that's talking about that. I don't believe that no one else talked about it. I was like, have you ever read um, Hebrews? Have you ever read Romans? Let me read... Read Hebrews to you. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. There's Paul again. No wonder they were trying to kill these guys. No wonder they wanted to shut him up. No wonder they didn't want to hear him. Because it took it off of, hey, you know what? Jesus wasn't just a man. He's a son of God and in him and through him. And he chose to come down here and live as one of us. You know what's really cool? And I, I love this about Jesus. is like when he come down, he come down, to, he chose to live as one of us. As a human being. He lived of a, as us, walked with us, talked with us, and then when he died, he went to the cross. You know what he was doing when he was going to the cross? He's going to the cross as what? As us, as human. You know what? He died. When he died, guess what? He died as a human. But when he rose again, guess what? God didn't say, oh, that human body, just throw it in the trash. He rose again in a human body that he will be in forever. Think about that for a minute. Because we think that he's just a spirit that just floated off. But if that happened, then he really didn't raise from the dead. When Jesus died, when he was resurrected, guess what? His body was resurrected and glorified, and he was all God. And he was in human form. And he was showing us what we could be. So now, if we're in Christ... And he's in us. Think about this. If we want to see through his eyes, I think about that when he's walking up that that mountain, carrying the cross, our cross. Can you close your eyes and picture being the one seeing through his eyes, seeing what he saw? When they were beating him and flogging him and he's laying down and sees his blood going everywhere. Can you see that you were in him? And that was you? When they hung him on the cross and nailed his hands and feet to that cross, and he hung there, and he looked out, and that was you, and that was me. And as you picture that, and you look out, and you say, hey, that was me, and you look out, and that really was me on that cross. And you see through his eyes and see that he took that for you because he loves you. It changes your perspective. It changes how you see things. Am I going to see people? And all these people they're spitting on Jesus and they're cursing him and they're mocking him and they're gar- and, and, and they're, they're gambling over his clothes. And Jesus is looking at, wait till I get. Get off of this thing. I'm going to whoop you guys, you sorry suckers. I can't stand you. Look what you did to me. Look what you're doing to me. No, you know what he said? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And the very people who were doing that to him, he was giving his life for them so that they could have life. Whose eyes are you looking? I know I talk a lot about us, Christ being in us, but we're in him too. And guess what? Now we're just not not him walking in us, but now we're seated with Christ. Where is Christ seated? Did you just, Jim just read it. That's where you're seated in him now. You were on the cross with him. You were in the resurrection with him. And now you're seated with him. You're joint heirs with him. You can see through his eyes, and he's seeing through your eyes. That's pretty powerful when you really think about it. They nailed it here in in Hebrews, because it says, But in these last days he has spoken to us by the Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. Who's he saying made the universe? Seeing it's made for him. Made for who? For Jesus. Man, he's greater than we ever dreamed. He's bigger than we could ever imagine. When we get to heaven, we're going to be embarrassed in a good way because we're going to be like, wow, I didn't know you were that awesome. Right? The sun is a radiance of God's glory. And the exact representation of his being, sustaining some things. Sustaining what? All things. Sustaining what? All, all, things. Things. all things. Whoa. Can you think it? Listen, sustaining all things by his powerful word. All things. Like, think of that. That's who lives in you. That's him. And you're in him. You're one. And it says this, After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Sometimes I wonder, though, because I was thinking about Peter. Anybody remember Peter? Mm -hmm. Right? He's he's sat in here and... um, I've just seen that. I will have it. Wrong book. Here I am. So I was thinking about Jesus and Peter, and I was thinking about two different words they said. And I want to read you this in John 18. It says this, When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side there was an olive grove, and he and his disciples went into it. Now, Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the grove, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Now, listen. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you Want. Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, they replied. Now, now picture this. These, you could hear them marching like they ain't sneaking up on nobody. Like they're, the, this is a small army, not just of the Romans, but of the temple court and the priest. And here they are, they're coming and they're marching and they've got lanterns and, and they've got their, their torches and they've got swords and they're ready to come. To come after one man with twelve disciples eleven really because Judas had already bailed after twelve men all this and watch this Jesus knew something was going to happen and he was worried about his disciples and he's like I gotta get to the head of this so he says says, who is it you want? you think he didn't know? that's my question for the world we seek we seek a Jesus that was died on a cross and that lives far off or do we want a Jesus that was born that lives in and through us right now Who is it that you want Who is it that you need And they said Jesus of Nazareth they replied I am he You know he said I am He's a great I am. That's his name. When you see capital L-O-R-D, it's Yahweh. It's Yud-A-V-A-V-A. Vave, it is I am that I am. And when he said I am. See, saying I am all creation has to bow. And you know what happened to those, that whole army of soldiers? They fell backwards. Think of the sight of that. At the word that he realized, I am. I am he, Jesus said, and Judas, the traitor, was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Can you imagine? That's who we serve. The Bible says that no weapon formed against you will prosper. Greater is he who is in heaven. Greater is he who's at the end of the universe. Greater is he that is in you you than he that is in the world. Isn't that incredible? Think about that. They drew back and fell to the ground, and he asked them again, who is it you want? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. He had to let them get up so they could arrest him. Ain't nobody killed Jesus. He walked that to die for you and me. Then we go on down here and we start seeing um, Peter. You know, Jesus said, I'm gonna, you're gonna de- deny me three times. We see Jesus knowing who he is and saying, I am. It's funny when I was at that wedding with all the chaos and all the things going around, one thing I knew who I was. I knew who I was in God, and I knew who I was to those kids, and I knew who I was to my wife, and I knew who I was to those grandkids, and I knew there was nothing or nobody that could ever change that. I know who I am. Because I know that, it gives me a swagger and a strength that's beyond something that I could have in and of myself. I also know whose I am. And so it says in, in John 18, 15, Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus because this disciple was known to the high priest. He went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to the girl on duty There he brought Peter in. You are not one of his disciples, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold. I think it's pretty funny that that was the last next words after I am not. It was cold. And the official stood around a fire they made to keep him to keep warm, Peter also was standing with him. And then we get a second time. as us go into 25, As Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, You are not one of those disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high three servants a relative of the man whose ear Peter cut off challenged him didn't I see you with him in the grove again Peter denied it and at that moment the rooster crowed you know we spend all of our life with people telling us who they think we are or telling us what we're not well you're not good enough You don't smell good. You don't look good. You're not smart enough. You're not this. You're not that. You don't love me enough. You're not enough. You'll never be enough. And we get this attitude where we come around and we think, you know what? I'm not. I'm not enough. I'm not able to do this. I'm not able to overcome this. I'm not able to have a normal life. I'm not able to do this or that or whatever. I'm I'm not. But Jesus stood up when they asked who he was and he said, I am. You know what? The king of the universe who created all things, not just the big things. I was talking to, to a, a professor yesterday. He was a professor in college and brilliant chemist and a guy, and he was saying, you know, we study and we teach people the bigger things get, the harder they are, are, are to, to find things out about them. He says exact, it's the exact opposite. The smaller we go, we realize how much bigger everything is because it goes to the source. What are you believing that you're not? Because the one who made all those things says, you know what, I love you so much and you're so valuable, I'm going to give my life for you. That don't tell me that you're not. That tells me that you are. That you're valuable, that you have purpose, that you have hope, that he loves you so much. He says, you know what, I'm going to give my life for you. So that you can have life in me and have it more abundantly. For poor Peter, like he said, I am not. And so God said, you sorry, sucker, you denied me, so you're going to hell. And there was no hope for Peter until the resurrection. And he seen Jesus and seen who he really was. And he swam, took off his coat first, but he dove in the water and swam. And Jesus said, he didn't say, why'd you deny me? Why'd you do that? He already told him he was going to do it. He said, feed my sheep. And he admonished Peter three times. Why? I believe because Peter said, I'm not. What do you think you're not? Do you think you're not qualified? For God to love you or not, not qualified for God? God's healing, for God's provision, for God's peace? He said, no. You are. You are because I paid the price. I chose you and from the beginning I created you and saw you. That's pretty powerful when you think about it. Go back. Paul said, I am not, too. But I like his I am not way better than Peter's. He said, Any boast, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is a power of God and the salvation. You're not an accident. This not a coincidence. You are more than enough because you are in God, of more than enough. It's good news. Mm -hmm. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for everyone here and everyone even listening out on the video. I thank you. Father, pour your heart out to them and show them how valuable they are to you, that they are enough that you love them and eradicate that feeling completely out of their hearts and their minds and let them live in your victory and in your life. And we give you the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.